You're listening to the Free Oromia podcast, dedicated to amplifying the voices of freedom. Thanks for tuning in to the Free Oromia podcast. Visit our website at freeoromia.org. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Team Free Oromia and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Team Free Oromia. You can also give us a call on the Free Oromia podcast hotline at 430-755-0727 and leave us a voicemail asking us questions or giving us your feedback. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Free Oromia podcast, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of freedom. I am Jad Maro, and I'm joined by my fantastic, wonderful, usual <laughs> co-host, Jal Ango. Hi, hi, hi. I'm glad you stopped at two adjectives there. I, I know. <laughs> I feel like you could tell I was going to go down the road. Like, I'm obsessed <laughs> with my co-host. <laughs> um, and actually, this is a special, special day because this is the first time that I have Jalango all to myself on this episode. We were it's yeah. just the two of us today. We don't have um, a guest co-host this time for the first time in a while, actually. Mm, um, so sure. Just you so and I. Just, just the two of us. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of which, I know a lot of you have been wondering where Jalhawi is and have noticed him missing from the last few episodes. Um, unfortunately for now, Jalhawi is taking a break from the podcast due to scheduling conflicts, but we hope he'll be able to join us uh, sometime soon in the near future. Um, but, you know, huge shout out to Jalhawi and yeah. your presence on the episodes is definitely missed. Yeah, definitely. You're sorely missed and we can't wait to have you back um, when time allows. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Our topic today, actually, we were scheduled to discuss uh, a different topic today, but in light of recent events, um, some really devastating events happening in Oromia, we have shifted gears a bit. Um, So Wallo Oromos have come under vicious attack by Amhara regional forces and militias. Um, And so today we're going to be discussing that ongoing crisis and its implications. Before Mm -hmm. we get into the episode, please take a moment to follow us on social media, on Instagram at Team Free Oromia, and on Twitter at Team Free Oromia. Also visit our website, www.freeoromia.org, and take the Free Oromia survey. So, you know, Jalango, I think... You certainly agree that what's happening to Wadlo Oromos right now is just absolutely horrifying. Mm, it really is. God, it's it's terrible beyond measure. Yeah. Um. So you know this current crisis it has been going on for several days now. Wadlo Oromos in the Oromia Special Zone of the Amhara region are currently being ethnically cleansed by Amhara Special Forces, according to multiple reports. Mm-hmm. Um, just for some context, um, I want to describe a little bit about what that zone is. 
uh, or Mm. where it is for Mm. those who are not familiar. So according to the current Ethiopian map, there are regional states. And within those regional states, there are zones. And within those zones, there are districts. Mm -hmm. So the Oromia Special Zone is a zone that is in the Amhara region. And it's north of the North Shawa Zone of Amhara region. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is north of the North Shawa Zone of the Oromia region. Mm. So Amhara Special Forces have been murdering Oromo civilians on the basis of their identity, burning down their villages and property. They've been going door to door, brutalizing and targeting Oromos, especially in Kamise. These attacks first started on the evening of March 19th. So this episode is releasing on March 25th. Hmm. And so it's been less than a week. So this crisis is really very acute. Um, Yeah. So according to witnesses, on March 19th, an Amara special police shot and murdered an Oromo imam in front of a grand mosque in Ataye after night prayers. Witnesses are saying the casualties are high. Unfortunately, we don't know the exact number of victims uh, and displaced peoples. But there are many graphic images of victims, burned down villages, and scores of displaced people circulating um, on social media. One very graphic image shows the massacred bodies of Oromo civilians who had been traveling in an ambulance after getting injured during the attacks, and they were stopped on their way and murdered by Amara militias in northern Shoa. Mm-hmm. The terrorism that's being committed by these Amhara militia groups is part of a larger pattern of state-sanctioned atrocities and ethnic cleansing that we've been seeing in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. Um, More recently, the Amhara regional government dispatched Amhara militias to invade several parts of the Oromia regional state to commit heinous attacks and massacres against Oromo civilians. Um, To add on to that, It's been widely reported by international media that Amhara militias have been committing unspeakable atrocities, including mass rape, murder of children, women, young men, and the elderly for many months in Tigray, um, Mm -hmm. as well as theft of land and property. Mm -hmm. Um, So really, this is, you know, a continuation of, of the pattern of extreme violence and state-sanctioned violence that has been perpetuated um, for months now and has been escalating greatly. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this is definitely not isolated. No, no, absolutely not. It's it's certainly nothing new. Um, And as reported um, in another Standard article, um, a resident in the Wolo region said that clashes between Oromo residents and Amhara special forces are not new and they have been a recurring site for the last two years. Um, and he added that Oromos have always suffered in this region. They attack us merely because we are Oromo. Um, so it's clearly an ongoing issue that um, has spiked now in, uh, in the last few days. Yeah, that um, that quote was really particularly unsettling. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. it's something that we know to be true and we've heard from different people all across Oromia and it's been a theme unfortunately throughout our history being targeted because of being Oromo. Mm-hmm. But, you know, especially in this in this context where there's active ethnic cleansing going on to hear um a witness saying that and to he- to see that quoted in an article it's just it just reinforces how dangerous the the anti-oromo sentiments are um and how much violence is attached to that um, mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. oromos mhm mhm exactly and how easily it can go from being a sort of undercurrent um that results in occasional incidents to um, you know, an all-out conflict. Uh, yeah, it's it's, yep. it's disturbing, mm-hmm. especially like the systematic nature of it, and mm. and when it is tied to the state, because whether it's the regional forces or militias, it's all state-sanctioned. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. enforced and authorized and signed off by the state, whether that's mm-hmm. the Amhara regional state or uh, Abi's government. It's it's what they have intended to do. It's all planned by by the state. It's mm-hmm. really it's really scary when you think of it that way. Like these these militias are signed off by the they regime. They really are. They really are. Uh, and actually, on um, as you mentioned, uh, the sort of intention and, and the planning behind it, uh, there have been reports from the witnesses that this incident was premeditated. Um, that the Amhara Special Forces have been trying for a period of time now to instigate um, a more vicious conflict. Um, they've been poking and poking at the Oromo residents in, in the Wallo region, um, trying to provoke uh, a response, trying to provoke uh, some kind of um, defensive attack. Um, and then this killing of the uh, imam um, in front of the mosque uh, ended up being that sort of triggering incident. Um, and, you know, people were saying that the overwhelming force with which the Amhara special forces descended upon uh, the Oromo population really showed how they had been planning and intending to carry out this kind of large scale attack against them and was just seeking some type of excuse to do so. Um, So uh, there's nothing incidental about this. Um, It's absolutely deliberate. It's absolutely planned. It's absolutely premeditated. um, And it's an extremely worrying indication of what the current climate the political climate, the social climate uh, in Ethiopia is. Absolutely. Um, And there are a lot of elements to this that indicate what they're really after is to reclaim the land that they believe is is theirs. Mm. Um, And reclaim is a term I'm using loosely. Mm. Um, Despite being inhabited predominantly by Oromos, um, this zone... The, the Oromia special zone, the reason why that's what it's called and everything, it was created in the 90s. And uh, to my understanding, they took some districts from the South Wallo zone 
mm-hmm. and the North Shoa zones uh, within the Amhara region and mm-hmm. created this Oromia special zone. You know, like this whole concept of the um, Amhara militias and everything trying to ethnically cleanse the Oromo population in the area, it's really not dissimilar from what they've been doing in Tigray in recent months, trying to, you know, take over the land um, and really get rid of the people that are there um, in order to, like, again, kind of, like, claim that land um, and take take it over. Um so it's also important to note that the vast majority of the population of this Oromia special zone is Muslim. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. can't forget that there is rampant Islamophobia the same way that there is that anti-Oromo, anti-Indigenous um, mentality and sentiment. Yeah, definitely. It's it's an integral part of um, Amhara supremacist ideology, of Amhara ultra-nationalism. Um, it's inherent to, um, to those ways of thinking, is Islamophobia. Um, so, you know, these um, people in uh, Wallo are being targeted both for being Oromo and for being Muslim. Um, so it's a sort of double whammy of uh, of oppression and of hatred towards them, um, which is, uh, you know, extremely unsettling mm-hmm. um, and uh, just sort of amplifies their suffering. It's, it's sad. It really is. Um, you know, speaking of which, Jal Ango, what do you make of the blame game happening between the Oromia Prosperity Party and the Amhara Regional Government. It's interesting, for certain. Um, I mean, so the um, Amhara Regional Government are blaming um, OLF and or OLF Shane or Wobo, essentially, um, Ola, um, for for the attack and and you know what they've described as remnants of TPLF. Um, you know they're blaming those groups for the violence that took place. Um, and whilst uh, the Oromia regional government has absolutely no problem blaming the same groups for um, massacres that take place in Oromia, um, they have strongly refuted any involvement of uh, Ola um, or of, of the TPLF. They've, they have blamed the Amhara Special Forces for this attack. Um, and that's that's a really rather interesting development because it, it, it it's, an, it's a convenient one for sure. Um, and it kind of exposes the cracks. Well, Definitely. cracks is probably... A, a mild word, mm-hmm. the deep rifts that are um, forming between uh, Oromia PP and um, Amhara PP. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it's very telling. It's very telling. I feel like, you know, Abi and his prosperity party, um, they have done a lot of dangerous things 
to mm-hmm. try to accomplish their goals, such as using uh, Amhara militias to accomplish mm-hmm. those goals. But really, while a lot of their mission may overlap, there are areas where they diverge. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like at this point, perhaps the, the Amhara militias and regional forces have kind of gone rogue, so to speak, <laughs> at least compared to at least compared to what Abi is, is planning. Mm. Um, and we expected this to happen. I feel like Oromos have been saying this from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. It's no mm-hmm. secret that even though Abi is a genocidal war criminal, he's not, mm. um, is, you know, he's re- not doing things in a smart way at all, even for his mm-hmm. own longevity, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of feel like, we're getting the sense that they've used Abi for what they need him for. Mm -hmm. um, And perhaps they're, they're ready to kind of go off and achieve their mission. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I I agree with you. I think this conflict is very interesting and very telling of some, uh, some major conflict with, with these groups. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think what Abi attempted to do was to tame the beast, in a sense. Um, he thought that he could manipulate and harness and dispatch um, Ethiopianist, uh, Amhara supremacist, Amhara ultra-nationalist sentiments um, to push his agenda to... Um, gain power and and solidify his power um, and to turn himself into the king of Ethiopia that he uh, considers himself to be uh, and then thought that he would be able to subdue these forces that he has stoked to get to that place um, when he's reached his, um, his desired position. But I think what he and his um, cadres are very quickly realizing is that there is no taming this beast at all. Um, So, you know, I think now they're just grappling with how do we rein this back in? How do we assert our control and and our power and our position? And it will be really interesting to, because, you know, I I kind of foresee them um, turning back and trying to sort of pander again to Oromo uh, interests and to Oromo concerns and to the Oromo population to try and help them, to try and support them, to try and maintain their situation. You know, they'll desperately now cling to their Oromo-ness, so to speak, uh, to... Uh, Give me a break. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, to uh, try and prevent their inevitable demise. Um, and to be honest, I don't see them being at all successful in achieving that. So... Um, Mm-hmm. In fact, Abi has been uh, reported as saying that the Amhara militias are his and he will dispatch them as he pleases. So I guess I guess it doesn't get any clearer than that, what his intent was, what his strategy has been, and how it's now majorly blowing up in his face. Leave it to Abi Ahmed to claim he has control over everything but have control over almost <laughs> nothing at all nothing i mean yeah. like 
I feel like we've said this in a recent episode, he is just hanging on by a bunch of very, very thin threads. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really do think that there is some impending demise, like you said, between these different factions, um, between these Amhara terrorist militias and, you know, the different PP factions and the Amhara regional forces, etc. Um, mm. You know, it's it's not really looking good at all. Um, and unfortunately, mm. it's not just that it's not looking good for the regime, because in this whole process, we can't forget that thousands and thousands and thousands of civilian lives are being lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really tragic. And going back to the ethnic cleansing happening to Walo Oromos, mm. I think it's really clear, Jalango, that just by the sheer level of the brutality, the only way these Oromos have actually survived, hmm. uh, you know, the, the only reason that they're not, their population is not entirely annihilated is because they were armed for self-defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, for that. yeah. And if you see some of the videos where, you know, some people have um, recorded the the victims or the witnesses explaining you know their plight and what's happening to them especially like the displaced people whose villages have been burnt down mm-hmm. um i you know you can see some of them carrying rifles or mm. at least what i think are rifles i don't really know uh anything about different <laughs> kinds of guns but mm. um i mean what do you make of that like what role does this play um the fact that they they were able to defend themselves to a certain extent I mean, I I feel like that's been the saving grace in this entire situation. Um, had they not had those arms, considering the way that the Amhara Special Forces perpetrated such intense violence against them, um, and not just with the uh, guns, um, but also through arson, they burned down um, I believe they burned down a mosque, they burned down a church, and they burned down people's homes and farms. Um, so they set fire to people's entire livelihoods um, and also made sure that they killed as many of those people as possible so that they wouldn't be able to rebuild those livelihoods. So um, the fact that um, the Oromo residents had arms that they could use to defend themselves um that that is the sole reason why um they were able to avoid total annihilation and in fact actually defend themselves quite effectively they managed to push the uh, amhara special forces back um they managed to corner them um and they managed to keep them cornered until federal reinforcements arrived and were able to intervene so um I'm just extremely grateful that um, they had access to to those arms. And the reason why they had um, arms available is because that Oromia Special Zone is a part of the Amhara region. Exactly. And, and in Amhara region, mm-hmm. the general population, the civilians, are able to arm themselves. They're able to have weapons. Whereas in Oromia, the federal government went door to door and collected so much as a scythe 
that farmers would use to harvest their crops from people's homes to ensure that there was no capacity in Oromia for civilian people to defend themselves against violence. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you brought up that comparison because the federal government has been brutalizing Oromos across Oromia region mm. um, for years mm-hmm. <laughs> now. So, you know, for the past couple of years. Um, and I, I think it's really important to note that Oromos in Oromia, and when I say Oromia in this case, I'm talking about Oromia regional state in Ethiopia as it is on the map, mm-hmm. um, don't have the ability to arm themselves for self-defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, individuals in other areas are able to arm themselves. And mm-hmm. this is a matter of life and death for civilians in Ethiopia because of the extreme state violence that occurs mm-hmm. on a daily basis at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and in talking about Oromos in Oromia not being able to protect themselves, it's Mm. also important to note that according to the Oromo Liberation Front, Amhara Regional State has deployed a large number of militias in various parts of Oromia Regional State. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There are creditable sources that are reporting that these militias are deployed in in West Walaga, in districts like uh, Kidami, Gaba, Arbi, Mugi, um, as well as other districts um, in East Wallaga as well, in districts um, including Gutin, um, Harolimu, Hagamsa, uh, and Amuru, uh, West Shawa uh, in uh, Gindaberet and Jandu, and North Shawa in uh, Darra area. Um, I hope I pronounced those. Um, districts and areas correctly, by the way. Apologies if I've butchered those uh, pronunciations. Yeah, so it's it's very clear that there are serious atrocities being planned because anywhere where Amhara militias have been deployed, that has been the site of severe violence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's really um, it's really disturbing to think about people that are going to be just defenseless against that. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Um, there are also some reports circulating that Eritrean troops are in Oromia now. Mm. Um, there has been an article circulating from Eritrea Hub and a picture circling Twitter of a captured Eritrean troop in Wello. Mm-hmm. Um, there is limited information on this now, but we know that Eritrean troops have already been well <laughs> dispersed in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been actively committing war crimes in Tigray uh, mm-hmm. alongside the ENDF and the Amhara militias. Mm-hmm. According to the UN, they're also in the disputed territory on the Ethiopia-Sudan border. Mm. So they're they're heavily involved in what's going on. Yeah. They um, really are. So mm-hmm. according to the Military and Foreign Affairs Network, there has also been a rapid deployment force um, of the Eritrean military 
that has been deployed to various locations in Finfinne, supposedly. Um, the purpose of this uh, unit is mm-hmm. apparently to respond in the case of military mutiny. So what? basically, theoretically, they're there to protect Abi's regime in case huh. of an attack. That That's according, again, to the Military and Foreign Affairs Network. Right. Um, from this information that, that they put out, um, they believe that there could be between six and seven thousand troops around Finfinne, um, presumably in some kind of undisclosed location, like not out in the open, but somewhere there just in case. Um, mm-hmm. We have very limited information about this, but it's very telling that um, this is possibly what's happening. Wow. Wow. So Albi recognizes that he's going to need a savior from the uh, Amhara extremism beast that he's awoken um, because I'm sure he recognizes that um, the Oromo nation aren't going to be intervening on his behalf, uh, most certainly. So, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what he's most concerned about that, you know, would prompt this or if it's a combination of everything, like, I don't know if he's most concerned about the Amhara militias potentially trying to take over or overthrow him, um, or if he's, you know, in part preparing because Wubbo is making significant moves, or if it's because many federal troops have been defecting. But either way, he's created so many issues for himself from multiple sides, um, and knowing that he has pretty much no real support outside of urban elites and the collaborator class, it would make sense that he's preparing for some sort of potential mutiny or that he's afraid because he has not only emboldened the terrorist Amhara militias, but his regime is actively committing ethnic cleansing in multiple parts of the country. He has become an enemy to you know, the vast majority of the population. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty big mess. And, you know, it makes sense that, that he's afraid. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. So Eritrea is his, uh, is his uh, knight in shining armor, apparently. Yeah, it's, it's honestly so ironic because didn't Abi fight in the, the Ethiopian-Eritrea war? in the late 90s and mm. it's like there there are some people saying that you know perhaps Isaias's involvement is to get revenge mm. for you know the loss from that war mm. but it's just i mean essentially the moral of the story is abi is in a huge mess mm-hmm. what just came to mind actually while you were talking you know that children's book um there was an old lady who swallowed a fly. I feel like Avi swallowed a fly and now he keeps having to swallow all these other animals to eat the other animals that he swallowed. And soon an animal is going to eat him. I don't know if that's a convoluted analogy, but uh, I don't know if it makes any sense, but I just feel like, (laughs) do you know what I I mean? (laughs) I get it. I didn't actually know of that story. But then I I got what you were referring to when you said that he was swallowing other animals to swallow the animal he'd swallowed. And eventually it'll get to a point where the animal is so large it'll swallow him. 
Yeah. All that to say, um, I feel like everything that Abby is doing to clean up his other messes is mm-hmm. just creating a bigger mess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he is actively destabilizing the Horn of Africa mm-hmm. by dragging in other countries, mm-hmm. um, you know, by meddling with, you know, terrorist militias. Mm-hmm. It's it's really um, it's not working out very well. No, no, it really isn't. Um, and uh, I did say Eritrea earlier, but um, I should have been more accurate and said Isaias of Werki. Mm-hmm. That's who Abi is expecting to be in his knight in shining armor. Let me not put it on the whole of Eritrea because the poor people of Eritrea are uh, suffering their own set of issues and yeah. uh, problems under their own dictator. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Let's be clear on that as well. Isaias of Werki is the, um, the issue here. That's, uh, yeah, that's a very important clarification, Jalango. And I just wanted to add, uh, if there are Eritrean troops it, around Finfinne, there are multiple recent reports showing how strong Wubble is right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, according to the Military and Foreign Affairs Network, the regime has declared many areas of Oromia unsafe for federal military training operations. Uh, Apparently, 51 districts of Oromia are seeing significant activity by Wubble, um, Mm -hmm. specifically in Shawa, Walaga, Guji, Borana, and now Jimma. Mm -hmm. So there are multiple different factors at play here, but... Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting that simultaneously, while there are reports that Wubble is approaching Finfinne, mm. that there are reports of a rapid Eritre- deployment force of Eritrean military that have been uh, deployed to Finfinne. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, again, I mean, it's absolutely not coincidental. Um, so... Um, mm. Yeah, Abby is trying to mitigate um, for any fallout from his inevitable demise. Um, and uh, I just hope and pray that in the midst of all that, the Oromo people come out as safe and as sound as possible. Um, and a large part of that will be contingent on the success of Ola, the success of Wobo, which is why it is so incredibly crucial for us to support them in every single way that we possibly can. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking of which, did you see the... Well, I saw today that there was a soldier from the Republican Guard which is supposedly this like special unit in the ENDF, the Ethiopian National Defense Force, um, that is kind of like specifically under Abi's control. It's like this mm-hmm. elite unit that gets like this special military training and has a special budget that mm-hmm. one of their soldiers was killed um, oh. in a clash with, with Ola. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even just the fact that 
you know, Avi's pulling out the Republican guard mm-hmm. to fight mm-hmm. Ola shows you how strong Ola or Wabo is right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And we have to keep building on that momentum. We have to keep building on that strength. We have to keep empowering that drive that we're seeing in Wubble to accomplish their mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it's it's up to us to to help them see this through. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no other choice. There is no other choice. And, you know, even earlier when we were talking about the need for self-defense, Again, just to underscore, the people of Oromia, the the civilians cannot protect themselves. They don't they don't have um, any ability to arm and protect themselves. So really, their only option for self-defense is Wubble. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. the only way to prevent um, a serious, serious genocide against Oromos across Oromia. Mm. Um, so this is such a pivotal time and we have to build our self-defense. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed entirely. So Jalango, I think, uh, our listeners are probably looking for practical ways they can help. Mm -hmm. One really important way other than you know, spreading the word about what's going on and amplifying the voices of Oromos that are facing this predicament mm-hmm. is donating. Um, mm-hmm. There is fundraising happening right now. This is a practical mm-hmm. way that you can help. Um, so many of the Wallo Oromos have now become internally displaced persons because of the crisis, again, from the... Um, burning of entire villages, the door-to-door brutalizing and targeting. Um, So here are a few ways that you can donate. You can donate on GoFundMe. The Machatulama Association has created a GoFundMe. You can find it at tinyurl.com slash forwello. So that's T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot com forward slash f o r w a l l o tinyurl.com slash for wallo um you can also donate on paypal at tinyurl.com slash wallo paypal so that's again tinyurl.com slash w a l l o p a y p a l um, mm-hmm. This also goes to the Machatulama Association. They are a very credible organization that has hosted um, credible uh, fundraisers in the past for humanitarian aid. Um, they have a very strong and solid track record as an organization and also of showing evidence of um, that they have indeed delivered um, the funds to the appropriate sources so we feel confident to endorse this fundraiser Mm -hmm. um they have also made zelle available so on zelle you can donate to machatulema.usa at gmail.com again that's m-a-c-h-a-t-u-l-a-m-a period usa at gmail.com mm-hmm 
you know, um, financial support is, you know, really the greatest influence that we can have in the diaspora. Yeah. And we really hope that our listeners, you, all of you listening, um, will help in this Mm -hmm. really important time of need. Mm -hmm. Our brothers and sisters need us right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So donate to this fundraiser um, and also donate to Webble. Um, And you Mm -hmm. can find resources within your respective communities to do so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And just for anyone who missed those four ways to donate, we've got you covered. It's in our show notes. So go to freeoromia.org slash podcast. And the first thing on that page is a link to our show notes. So don't worry if you didn't, you know, get those links or, you know, the email address or anything. It's all there. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I just want to tie this all up and sort of bring it all back to the core issue at hand here um and the fundamental reason why these issues are being faced by Wallo Oromo and also Oromos in general um but you know it's more acutely felt um in the Wallo region and in uh, regions like uh North Shawa and Raya and Western Tigray. But um, inherently, the issue is not ethnic, quote-unquote, hatred, um, or, you know, sort of an issue that is fundamentally rooted in ethnic persecution. It's certainly used as a strategy, but it is not the core or the crux of the issue. The core of the issue is colonial occupation. The core of the issue is land and land grabbing and seeking resources. That's what underlies these problems at the root. So it's not fundamentally an issue of ethnic clashes. Ethnicity is just used as a vehicle for colonial occupation, for taking land and having access to the resources on that land. And that's what we have to recognize. So, Jalang, are you saying basically that the, quote, ethnic clashes are more of a symptom than the actual cause? So, they're both causes in a sense, but one cause is to kind of enable another. and to sort of strengthen another, so to speak. Mm. So ultimately, what we're seeing is the real life, modern day manifestations of Ethiopian imperialism. Um, So that's what we have to remember is our greatest enemy. That's what we have to remember is what we're ultimately fighting. Yeah, Jalango, that's so true. Um, you know, and the Ethiopian imperialism has really always circled back to Amhara imperialism. Mm. 
which mm-hmm. is cloaked by quote Ethiopian violence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's history repeating itself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we refuse, we refuse mm-hmm. um, to repeat history. Um, and I really hope that this time things will be different. I hope mm-hmm. that our people are equipped. I hope that the diaspora is ready to understand their role and to step up mm-hmm. and support our people the way that they need to be supported. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think this time things will be different, hopefully. Yeah, inshallah. It's in the inshallah stage. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah. Um, so, listeners, we want to hear from you. Call us, leave us a message, tell us what you thought about our conversation today. You can leave us a voicemail or send us a text at plus one four three zero seven five five zero seven two seven. Um, and if that's not convenient for you because you are outside of the U.S., message us on our social media. Mm-hmm. Um, again, at Team Free Oramia, both on Instagram and Twitter. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you have to say. Always. Mm-hmm. And before we wrap up today, I am very pleased to announce our Sabonuma Award of the Week. Uh, this is, in case you missed it, we've been doing a Sabontu series for Women's History Month. And mm-hmm. our next Sabontu Award goes to none other than the absolutely phenomenal Ilfinish Kano. I'm so excited. <laughs> Ade Ilfinish was born and raised in Sibuguto near Nakamtewalaga. And she, as a teenager, was recruited to a musical group. Today, she's known across society as an outstanding revolutionary musical artist who has contributed her beautiful voice to the development of Oromuma and to the Oromo struggle for most of her lifetime. For decades, she has created profound revolutionary songs that poetically illustrate the severe oppression being experienced by the Oromo and that express profound messages of unity and solidarity. She is also known for singing Gerersa, which is usually sung by men, and because of this, she has infused notions of gender equality into the expression of Oromo culture. Mm, absolutely. Yes. Ade Ilfinishkano is also known for being targeted by successive Ethiopian governments because of her musically revolutionary acts. She was imprisoned, tortured, and denied medical treatment during both the Derg and TPLF-led EPRDF regimes. Mm-hmm. Despite these sacrifices, Ade Ilfinish has never hesitated to continue her commitment to the Oromo struggle and to the development of Oromumba. She is an exemplary figure of leadership, of feminism, of deep Oromumba, not just in the field of art, but across Oromo society as well. The beauty of her voice and content of her music mesmerizes all those who listen to her music. Um, and she has put an indelible mark on Oromo culture and art. Um, so I think that really summarizes how important 
she is to mm-hmm. the Oromo nation as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. And fun fact, both of her daughters are uh, Oromo artists now as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, she obviously also passed on that fire of Oromuma and Sabonuma that she had to to her daughters, mm-hmm. Hawi and Danga. So mm-hmm. shout out to Adel Nishkano. Yeah, huge shout out to Adel Nishkano. Um, she definitely passed on her uh, passion for her art to her daughters because they're both really brilliant artists in their own right. But uh, Adel Nish, she set the standard. She set the not not just the gold, the platinum, the diamond standard. I don't even know what the hierarchy is, but whatever is the top, that's the standard that she set. Um, it's gold. And, uh, oh, okay, fair enough. Then gold. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I and I absolutely love, love, love that she sings Gerasa. Like that is just mm-hmm. so. She's an OG. Fire to me. She really is such an OG. Um, flawless voice it's just so smooth um, so uh, yeah the range of her vocals are unmatched I uh, yeah I enjoy nothing more than to listen to a bit of Adele uh, finish mm-hmm. on that note I want to invite our listeners to listen to personally one of my favorite songs this is actually my ringtone so <laughs> I never want to answer my phone because whenever it rings, I just want to hear the song. <laughs> um, this is Waboko by Ade Ilfinesh Kano.
enjoyed that song um it's such a classic never gets mm-hmm. old no hope you enjoyed it as much as we did yes. um we've obviously not played it uh live as we're uh, recording we'll insert it for you later but we certainly uh, sang a rendition of our own in the in the pause that we allowed between <laughs> <laughs> that we allowed between uh, introducing the song and, and coming back to to bid our listeners adieu. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, on that note, thank you so much, listeners, um, for joining us for another episode. Um, we hope you learned something and we look forward to seeing you next week. Mm-hmm. As always. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, John. Bye. Bye, Jalmaru. I need to get better at saying your name when uh, we're recording because I always feel so acknowledged when you say Jalango, you know, when you're <laughs> about to say something to me. So I need to get better at saying Jalmaru when I'm about to uh, address you about something. That's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful habit of yours. I need to adopt it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jalango. And yeah, thank you, listeners. Have a good week. Stay safe. Donate. Do all of the above. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Okay. <laughs>